step number one, do the work yourself so you know where the bottlenecks are. And then step number two is hire people you know who can do the work and just need to learn the process. Consistently being in communication and being human in your communication with your staff members, I feel like makes a huge difference. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing doing show graphics and much more and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are back with another episode. And I got to be honest with you, this is another episode of CEO Talks. This one, I think, is even more important because we are about to drop some game on you. When I say we, I'm talking about our resident contributor, Mr. Eric Fondren, CEO of Itelio currently, and master of many things. Eric, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Good to be back on. How you doing? Cool. So we're going to jump right in, but I want to let you know from the gates. What we're talking about today is organization in a company and culture. And we're going to navigate around this because we've been having some experiences that matter, <laughs> <laughs> that have been shaping a lot of the ways that we do things. So let's jump right in, bro, and talk about it because we've been having a lot of personal conversations around this stuff. I'm ready to bring it to the podcast, man. Oh, man. People love starting organizations, but they say they want to start a business, but they don't know how to run an organization or create a culture. Right. And creating a culture is probably the most important thing you can do to set up success for your business long term. The organization will fix itself if you got the right people. The business will run itself if you have the right profit margins. But that culture, it can ruin anything and everything, right? So I co-operate a family office, a mental health practice with my mom and my siblings. And the company basically provides mental health services to individuals that are in need of substance use counseling and mental health counseling. So this is like for, you know, bipolar, depression, anxiety, things like that. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that (laughs) it is very hard to divorce family culture from business culture, it's extremely hard. So that's just like one end of the spectrum. And then on another end of the spectrum, I've been in companies where my business partners are type A. 
I'm talking about perfectionists. So every meeting has an agenda. Every specific presentations, I's are, are dotted, T's are crossed. And so understanding who you're working with, understanding how to bring out the best in them, and understanding how to keep people motivated. All that stuff affects culture. What about you? Dude, so there's so many different ways to go about this. I think one of the number one things is being organized starts from the top up. Yep. Right? You have to understand your personnel. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like prime example, right? Running podcast laundry, we have a lot of engineers. I call them engineers, audio producers, mm-hmm. right? I'm a producer as well. But I think number one, you need to understand what are the different roles that take place in your company. Right. And if right. you could have done some of it because it helps you to sympathize and to empathize with what it is that their experiences are and you actually know what to expect. The best CEOs are usually internal and have done all of the work that they require of other people. Right. So understanding personnel and understanding personalities. I think, you know, something that I really had to learn earlier throughout the years, actually, was really being able to identify who's going to be a good fit, who's not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember you seeing this on CEO Talks episodes and episodes ago, hire slow, fire fast. Right. Right. Like I recently had the fire guy. And then the other day I had a guy ask me to increase his salary three times. And it was a point, it came to a point where I said, you know what? I don't think that we would be a good fit. Now, mind you, he was just only interviewing for the job. Right. right? And he was about to receive some work. And he inquired about the same thing three times. And I already told him, you know what I mean? This is what the job pays. The job description says what the job pays, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so with that, I said, you know, you can continue to gig or you could have a consistent check, which is, you know, literally it's $5 less than what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we have to be consistent on our budget and things like that, but you're mm-hmm. arguing over $5. And I understand it. He felt that he was worth it. And things like that. He needs to figure out his priorities. So does the business. And if they don't match up, right. that's fine. And so he's unfortunately, unfortunately, you know what I mean? Like that to me was a flag. It was something that I understood. So I pay attention to all of these small things that come in because the group that I have right now is a tight group who gets the job done. And so I don't need anyone coming in to disrupt that flow. Right. And that's really important. What are some of the pieces or qualities that your incoming employees must have in order to fit in with the culture? I think just a willingness to get the job done Mm -hmm. is probably one of the biggest things. The ability to communicate effectively. Timeliness is huge. Like I had a guy who Mm -hmm. was, he was capable, but if he said that he was going to have something delivered at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, it was mm-hmm. coming in at 9.05, 9.15, 9.10, or an hour later. Mm-hmm. And that's not our culture. Right. Because if you tell me 9, I'm looking for it at 8.45. Right. Because I understand what's happening on the other end. See, my staff is is their company facing. I'm facing with the company and also with the client. So I'm asking for a specific time because I understand what needs to happen in between. Right. Right. And, and you're also communicating expectations outward. Right. So when you can't stay on top of those, right. Right. And so timeliness, very, very important. The ability to communicate, like if you know that you're going to need to deliver this an hour later, Mm -hmm. that's not an issue, but I need to know that as soon as you know it so that I can adjust and plan for it. Right. It's the last minute that really puts us in a bind. And so I have certain staff members who I know for a fact, like my lead engineer, this guy's, he's awesome, but also he always delivers when he says that he is. Uh-huh. And so therefore, if there are any new incoming projects, then I will put him on that project first. Uh-huh. I just hired another guy who is, I mean, this dude is no joke. He has this desire uh-huh. to deliver high quality work. And uh-huh. so that's what we look for. You know, I've hired a young lady. She's amazing in her task, in the work that she does. She's amazing. And also, you know, paying attention, right? So I might put out an ad for the work and I had one young lady literally 
reply back and say, hey, you know what? I listened to your last podcast episode. I hope I get to work on that show because, you know, X, Y, and Z, and these were my right. takeaways from the show and things like that. So it's like, she's enthusiastic to work for. So why wouldn't I hire somebody yep. who has that desire? Intellectual curiosity. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's genuine, right? Because that's what's going to help us say, hey, you know what? This just came up. This is an opportunity. Like one of my lead scribes, I would call her, right? One of uh-huh. the lead scribes on the team. I literally, any project that comes through, uh-huh. I literally ask her, I say, hey, I'm asking you before I ask anybody else on the team, because she's been with me the longest. Do you want to take over this project? Uh-huh. And if she says no, then I go down the line. But I right. think loyalty matters a bit too. And then being able right. to trade, not trade off, but there are things that you give and take in the relationship, yeah. right? And everything uh-huh. is not necessarily black and white. And I also always tell or my team, rather, I always say, hey, we're working together. You're not working for me. Right. Like right. we are all working to empowerment. You got to empower your employees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we're all working to accomplish a specific goal on a continuous basis. I look at it like if we're all in the same boat mm-hmm. and someone on the team doesn't understand the direction we're all rowing in, they're not going to be rowing in our direction. It's going to slow us all down. It's not going to be at the same tempo, the same speed. Right. So that, that curiosity, that above and beyond capability, that self-starting mentality, that means if you don't have that, that means you're going to be growing at a slower pace. And then ultimately, mm-hmm. we're all going to be affected by that because someone's going to have to get off, stop what they're doing in order to pick up the slack from you. With EM therapy, you know, we've had uh, clinicians come on board and if they can't work a computer, <laughs> if they can't wow. input information properly, if they can't understand the basics in terms of just executing the job, mm-hmm. why are they staying on board, right? So you got to make those decisions very quickly and you have to put those kind of filtration tasks in the interview process so you know whether or not they can execute before you put them on payroll oh, because man. getting them on board and then having to figure it out, that's a waste of time. So here's the thing. One of the biggest things for us is standard operating procedures, right? I just hired a guy for, we literally just came up with a new position yesterday and I hired a guy for it. I had to sit for a couple of hours and create a standard operating procedure for that new role just to make sure that everything that he needed was laid out for him so that I don't have to micromanage him. But paying attention to detail is Mm -hmm. so, so important. Prime example, like when I vet, like on these different websites when I'm hiring, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I'll do is I'll put a keyword inside of the job description and I put instruction to the keyword. If you reply back and that keyword is not there, then I know that you didn't listen and that you just saw the job and you posted. You literally Mm -hmm. automatically disqualified. So there are different things that you can do in order to make sure that you're getting detailed people. And then still, even with the SOP, like one of the things about the SOP, we have our own email address, right? right. Each position has its own email address. Right. So you come on board. The only way you can access the files that you need is if you use one of our email addresses. Right. Some people will come on board and then say, oh, I can't access the files. Mm-hmm. That means that you didn't read because it clearly states both Mm -hmm. on the SOP and your introductory messaging that you have to use this email address. So that's another flag, right? Right. And so the other day, I actually, (laughs) oh my God, I gave this person the benefit of the doubt. And this person had essentially, you know, they did a great job on their sample work, obtained a position. They had put the keyword and they came on board and they ran through the SOP, looked through it, and then literally assigned themselves to a show but didn't see where the instruction said that your name will be next to the show that you're supposed to be working on. Right. So it's inquiring and asking all these questions about a show that you're not even working on. That's another right. flag. Right. And then I said, you know what? Let me not be as black and white as usual. And so I told the person what show they would be working on. I first inquired, like, how did you even think that you would be working on a show? 
And he was like, oh, well, you know what? I thought that it says this. And that's the first thing that I saw. And I'm just kind of scratching my head like the SOP doesn't say that. Long story short, assign this person to a show and they literally put the intro on there twice, but use the intro for a video, which has, you know, when you have visuals, then it looks different, right? If you have a visual, then sound effects and things like that make sense because you can see something and the music might go on longer than someone talking. Right, right. But in the audio, the music would stop in a montage as soon as the person stopped talking because there's no visual. Right. There were two of those in there, not to mention there were several errors and I probably made it to about three minutes in and I was like, I had to come back to the person. I said, you know what? I don't think this is a good fit. You know, yeah, because you don't want to have to spend time teaching somebody the skills necessary to do the job. That's an important piece is that once we find out people don't have the skills, we spend the time trying to teach them. When you're hiring someone to do the job, you're not hiring someone to learn the job. That's an internship. Well, <laughs> and many of us don't have time to the babysit an intern. Well, I'll say this. There are certain things that you can coach. I can't coach you on attention to detail, but if there's a certain way that we edit and you're not used to editing in that manner, right. then right. if I write it down to you and write it out to you, and right. then from there on, you edit it in that manner, then we can work together. I remember one guy gave me back something. Oh, that was the other thing. I asked the guy, I said, did you listen to this before you sent it to me? Because I won't micromanage you. That's not my job, right? right? Your job is to follow the SOP, give me the same quality of work that you did in your introductory sample. job or uh-huh. yeah, your introductory sample and continue to move forward and you grow and you, know, you work with an amazing team and everything works out great. And so we literally run a well-oiled machine. It's like, you know, day after day after day of us doing this. Right. When you have these things, man, you just like, you know, you have to understand your personnel. And I I just think that's a huge part of it, of the organization um, and company culture. But I also think, too, again, it's that top-down thing. Like, I have to be organized in order for them to be organized. Right. The troops can't move without direction. Right. Without strategy, without understanding. I had a designer. And in startups, you know, if there is some level of ambiguity in terms of where the company needs to go mm-hmm. or how the company is going to get where it wants to go rather right then especially in a startup you need someone that has some level of nimbleness some level of agility to do the things that aren't necessarily told to them to do right mm-hmm. i had a designer a graphic designer and she came from an actual design background right she could draw she could design well in photoshop illustrator all of that stuff mm-hmm. she had taken a course to learn ui ux programming mm-hmm. web programming on the front end and but the best thing about her was that she was curious she would ask the right questions She would take it upon herself to do things that she thought would help to move the business forward. And you start to really value those types of things. And and there's another thing, especially with a company where, you know, I think many of your employees are remote, but we were in the office together every single day. Mm -hmm. We had to have face-to-face meetings every week, pretty much every other day, sit down, get on the Mm -hmm. same track, just to make sure that if they are being a self-starter, trying new things that are creative and helping to push the business forward, that they're actually aligned with the business goal. So it's about that space you give people to flex and be empowered, Mm -hmm. but then they're confined in a particular path going in a particular direction. And that's the Mm top-down approach, right? I think I'm a little bit on both ends of the spectrum where you empower somebody to do what's necessary while giving them guardrails. Here's the end of the spectrum you can go between. But in between those guardrails, I need you to try everything. Do it all because it's not always going to be the straight and narrow path to the right end. And when you don't know, Google Ask. It. 
watch YouTube, <laughs> watch YouTube videos. No, no, I mean that in a That's real true. way, right? So That's true. My, the way that I have my company ran or set up is everybody operates within their lane. And so your mm-hmm. process is essentially a rinse and repeat. That's the way that my right. mind works, right? Because right. some of this stuff, it's repetitive tasks. Right. And so like what I'll do is I'll assign a specific team to one show. Mm-hmm. And you, that is literally a show. So all you're doing is the same thing. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I look at it like mass production, you know, like Ford or like- Yeah, it's Donald, an assembly like, line. Mm-hmm. Right, assembly line. And so that is the way that we do it. But in the event that you don't know how to do something, go and Google it and try to figure it out before you come to me asking me something. You know, what's even worse than having to ask, because I don't mind you asking, especially if you ask quickly. I don't mind you asking at all. What's mm-hmm. even worse is if you allow that to stop your progress and then you just sit on your hands. I have had employees do that before where they oh, no, will, they get stuck and they're like, I just didn't know how to do it. Why didn't you ask? Why didn't you look it up? Why didn't you mm-hmm. do this? You'd be surprised how many people don't understand what it takes to just Google. Just do a quick Google search. There's a YouTube yeah. recording about it. I promise you. I'll fire you for that. <laughs> you probably should like, because that's probably going to happen more than once with that individual. So that's the other thing. I look at habits and I look at attitude means so much to me. Mm-hmm. If you are willing, if number one, you can say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's certain things that I won't even ask. Right. Prime example. I had this one engineer. And he had did something. Uh, he had completed a file and the file needed to go up. He was supposed to upload it. He didn't. I uploaded it because it needed to be done. And then I purposely, just to understand who this person was, I said, hey, man, did you have any trouble? He was like, oh, you know, the job is complete. And I was like, OK, cool. You know, add it to your timesheet. And then I said, did you have any trouble uploading the file? And he said, no, I had no trouble at all. Mm-hmm. I uploaded the file course you didn't have any trouble but to me that helped me understand who i was dealing with because he should have said the file was already uploaded right and i asked him a question in a way to give him that out to say it was already there before i did it so in addition to him continuously being late with work and he was a very capable guy but he missed a lot of the small details in the SOP. if you're not detail oriented enough you probably didn't even realize that someone else uploaded the file you probably just assumed you did it you know those details matter especially with a business where the consistency of work affects Mm -hmm. the quality of it right you know there Mm -hmm. are other businesses where there's more creative aspects to it more ambiguity to it but if you have an assembly line type product like that you got to stick your landings every single time i cannot expect you to be outside of bounds you know Mm -hmm. so but attitude i talk about that attitude but there have been times where someone may not have been like let's say they did their sample job and their sample job wasn't up to par so i would say you know, I can provide feedback if you like. They would take the feedback and then redo it. That person, I'm hiring. Right. Because you have a level of willingness and eagerness in order to improve. And with that, I can train you. We can, Uh if you have the skill set, you just didn't follow the directions correctly. But if you have Uh a willingness to immediately rectify that, then we can build on that. And I think that that's a huge thing. But Eric, I want to talk to you more. We touched on culture, but talk to me. Like one of the experiences that I've had is, Sometimes working with other companies, there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Right. Right. Or they just have a culture of lateness. And you're referring to clients or vendors? I'm referring to clients that I might have personally done some work for. And this is, you know, mm-hmm. even outside of podcasting. But sometimes their culture is lateness or it's mm-hmm. health or skelter. Oh, you know what? I just got approval for this. Can we go ahead and do this? And it's like we have a system in place. You know what I mean? In order for things to be consistent and to maintain a certain level of quality, everybody wants to jump in and just do all of these things that are not in alignment with what the ultimate and bigger goal is. So have you ever had those kind of experiences? And, you know, what has that been like navigating for you? Because for me, it's very frustrating. 
because I'm just like, this could be so simple. I've, I've worked for people who are like that. I've worked with people who are like that. I have had clients that are like that. I think ultimately people value different things, right? Mm -hmm. People have different priorities, different motivations, and it goes back to just understanding the personality of the person you're engaging with. I'll speak about it from a personal experience. I've worked with people who have vision, but have a really hard time turning that into tangible, executable strategy, right? You say you want to get to this grand vision, but you have no idea what step one, two, three, four are in order to get there. And you just kind of throw it out there, throw it to the wind. And so that's many times what I think a lot of people ultimately have trouble with. They have trouble actually creating concrete steps to get where they want to go. And so they just kind of scramble about. There's no deadlines because there's no tasks. How can you set a deadline to something if you don't know what the first thing you should be doing is? So I was personally working with someone and they would always say, I want to do this grand thing. But then they put all the responsibility on you to go get it done. You're like, all right, okay, that's what I'm here for. I'm about to plan this project out. You start planning the project out. You got task A, assignee, a, task B, assigning A, task C, assigning B, right? So you start assigning things to people. And everybody in the company at a startup has to put in work, including the person with the vision. <laughs> so I've assigned these tasks to the person with the vision. And they're the one that's always late. They're the one that can't get stuff done. But then you got a personality issue on top of that. Not only is your work ethic not help you get the job done, but then your personality is to deflect and blame. And so now it's everybody else's fault for the reasons why we're not hitting our goals. And so that's a lot of stuff that gets wrapped up when people don't understand how to actually take responsibility and activate on the things they have a power over. Wow. Create Your Life family. I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. I think something that we really have to talk about, too, is accountability, Mm. right? Thing, prime example, there was one time where I think the service that I use in order to pay my staff, I think my credit card, something that happened with my card. Right. And so I literally had to type a message in our Slack channel and tell my staff. I was sad, right? I I pride myself on paying them every single Friday. And I said, hey... I just want to let everybody know that there's something going on as far as the payment portal. You will be paid, but at this time, this is what's taking place. Right. And I took accountability for that versus having them looking for me on Saturday or right. you know, late right. Friday night wondering you know, where they're paying. And to be honest with you, like it was so I was like nervous about having to make that uh-huh. statement. You know what I mean? And I was a little like scared. I was like, oh my gosh. But what it was though, I built enough rapport with my staff and we uh-huh. communicate often enough. And when I communicate with them, we're not just talking about work. I'm like, hey, how are you? You know, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And so they were like, everybody was like, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always a smaller issue. That's an interesting thing, though. That's a big piece of culture as well. It's the accountability requires you to step up to the plate 
and take that first wind, right? Take all of that first brunt. And you as the CEO, you as the leader, the founder of the company must Mm -hmm. always step up to the plate and just eat the first pie of mess. (laughs) Slice of the pie. You you gotta eat that mud, man. And And you teach people to take that level of accountability by showing them through example. Yeah. So speaking of another thing, you know, when you talk about culture, you know, I had to talk to one of my staff members, right? And this was an exchange where I kind of was like, I don't know how this is going to play out, right? Like one of my things is, is that you can have an exchange or a differing of opinions and that doesn't mean that it has to be the end, right? right. And so what had happened was, well, I feel like I should finish the payroll story. So they were fine. I ended up actually being able to pay them like the very next day or later on that day. But right. the fact that, and that was a paragraph that I wrote, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. Oh. So that was pretty cool. But recently, a couple of weeks back, there was a task where basically one of our clients had wanted to basically restructure the number of episodes that they'd done. Right. They right. want episode number 54 to be number 54 anymore or something like that or 32 or whatever. Right. And so I reached out to the person who essentially was described for the show. And I said, hey, you know, can you go in and take those shows down? Uh-huh. And she essentially gave me like some pushback and was kind of, you know, may have not necessarily been her best day or something like that. But she essentially was like, are you going to pay me to do that? And I was like, huh? And I went in, it literally took four clicks of a button, right? right? Now, mind you, we've been working together for a long time. And so for me, that was a little off-putting, right? Right. And so she said, you know, I'm a freelancer, contractor, and I know you can understand that I'm just trying to protect my value. And so I said, when it comes to protecting your value, I value you a lot. And I want you to know that me valuing you looks like I asked, would you like to take on a project before other people on the team? I two days ago called you and asked you if you would like to become kind of like a manager of the company uh-huh. and things like that. That is where the value that I'm placing on you is, is that I look at you in a very, very high regard. So I needed to uh-huh. reinforce. Right. And then I also said to her, I said, you know what? The other thing is, is that, you know, small tasks like this, I wouldn't expect that kind of response given the give and take that we give. And she essentially was like, what are you speaking of? And I said, there was a time where you kind of in an unauthorized method, or I didn't authorize it, but you went ahead and did, you scribed for about nine different shows on uh-huh. your own. I hadn't authorized it, but because you did the work and I knew that the work was going to get done, I paid you for that. Uh-huh. And I never said anything about it because I know who you are and I value your work. So I ate it. Right. Right. And so I said, the kind of culture that we have here is one where we take care of each other and small tasks like what we just talked about, like they literally took two minutes. It was like, I just reinforced that, you know, you're so valuable. I look to call on you for small things like that if necessary. And she understood where I was coming from and she had no idea about the thing with the, you know, with the notes and things like that. I think that sometimes Uh as a leader, you don't bring up every little thing, you know, to your staff. And she understood where I was coming from, but there was a time again, we're not having this as a phone conversation. This is over chat where it could have went left. And I had to be mindful of the way that I was communicating as the leader in this situation as well. Communicating anything. I think I took a course when I was working for Deutsche Bank and this was 2007 or eight. And -hmm. while they were onboarding us, they made us take an email course where you had to learn how to input your thoughts and messaging through email so that people receive it in a way that allows them to digest it and not deflect it. And, you know, it all comes in respectfulness, in tone, because email and wording is always 
a harsher tone than when you're talking to somebody. It's progressively harsher when you start removing modalities. If I'm looking you in the face, I can tell mm -hmm. based on your facial expression, the tone. If I'm listening to your voice, I only have the voice. If I'm only reading it, now it's all my own thought process and my own mm -hmm. perspectives and worldview in terms of how I'm receiving your tone. And it's interesting because I've worked with people that will literally all cap words in their mm -hmm. emails or text messages or they will highlight things in red when they're emailing stuff. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what you're trying to communicate. If you want me to be empowered and you want me to receive your message and you want me to do the work that you expect me to do, and you want me to believe you respect me, mm -hmm. then you can't send any message with all caps in letter, in red lettering. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not a dictatorship, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't and, and make any sense. That I think what you just said right there is the reason why I feel like she and I, you know, still continue to work together. And, you know, we have like a good rapport, but mm -hmm. it wasn't a dictatorship type of conversation. It was a back and forth, which led to, and I, even during the course of us going back and forth, I had to take a step back and say, what is the end goal of this? Right. And my right. end goal was to make sure that I reinstilled the give and take of our relationship right and that we're not reestablish the culture mm -hmm. right to reestablish the culture like we're not trying to suck the blood out of you and get you to do all of these free tasks and things like that what it is is that this is your show i know that it would take two seconds to do this if you have right. the time you could say hey you know what i'm gonna get to it later this that and the third right. but i knew that it was a small task and you know we have a give and take culture and so i had to reinstill that and reestablish it. And I mean, it we're perfectly fine. Conflict resolution is a huge part of culture. If people are scared to resolve conflict, both internally and externally, it's going to stop your business almost immediately, right? If you are unable to speak to someone, air your grievances, have them hear you, and then establish some path forward, then nothing is going to be able to happen. So I have seen quite a few times where well, I've actually had to sit employees down and tell them what they're doing wrong, just like you have done with yours. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can tell that they're anxious, you're anxious, but you go in, you have a certain tone, a certain culture, you let them know what they're doing right, you give them the positivity sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you know the positivity, you tell them what they're doing good, tell them what they're doing bad, and they give them another compliment at the end. Right. So it just smooths out the whole process. But at the end of the day, in all relationships, an employee-employer relationships are just that. They're relationships. You mm -hmm. have to have conflict resolution as a cornerstone. And, right. you know, that's just a piece of culture, too. Yeah. I mean, you definitely wrote it. You have to ha know what the goal is beyond this conversation or the goal of the conversation. Because mm -hmm. I think another thing right. is, is the guy who I was talking about that I just had to fire, right, who just... I didn't even finish the story, but I'd hired him anyway and he couldn't follow the directions. So I had to get rid of him. And there was a point where he wanted to continue talking and discussing what was going on. And we passed that point. Like there was no way right. that you were going to rectify. So understanding that was just a point where I let him finish his speech. I ended the contract and it was right. just kind of like, I don't think that we're a good fit. This doesn't have to be negative, but right. the detail is very, very important to us and is important to our company culture because we essentially, like I said, it's an assembly line. So you can't make the hamburger without the buns. Right. If the buns are always burnt and always late. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need some cheese on the burger, man. Yeah. I had a vendor like that where they just weren't performing on their contract. And so I, I had written out this entire statement that I read to them, um, got mm -hmm. them on the line. It was like three business partners I was talking to. And I basically let them know, this is where you're deficient. This is where you're deficient. This is where you're deficient. I've talked to my board. 
talk to my investors. Basically, we're going to go in another direction. You won't have the rights to continue with this after this certain date. And basically, they were like, well, I can push back here and I can push back here. And I was like, actually, this is not a dialogue. You right. know, we can talk about it because we have professional respect for each other, but you can't push back my reasoning for ending the contract because that decision is already made. So yeah, definitely it's all about what's the goal of the conversation and then being respectful enough to hear, let somebody, you ain't somebody's contract. There's going to be some hurt feelings, but mm-hmm. be respectful enough to hear that out, but yeah. don't let it go on for days because at the end of your day, you got to move on and continue with business. Yeah. Well, I think you said something that makes a lot of sense, right? Entitlement. Some people feel entitled and like, again, you know, like some people try to come in or like there's a contract and I say with the prices, they come in and try to change what the price is. And I'm like, you starting off on the wrong foot, but right. Or change the service level for the same price. Yeah. Like you're confused as to who's running the show and you're confused as to what your level of authority is here. Now we are a team and we are a family, but make no mistake. I know what the numbers are. You don't. So this is the salary. Right. And it's unfortunate. Like I had a guy recently. And it's funny because I actually look for female engineers. I know I keep saying a guy, a guy, a guy, a guy, actively looking for a female audio producer. But I had a guy tell, try to run his resume to me as to why he should be paid more. And I'm like, dude, I don't even make what you make. And my resume is more impressive than yours, mm-hmm. right? Her episode, you know, like you think that you're going to come in here and do something like that. That's disruptive to my culture. Right. Because I don't know, you know, we're communicating on Slack. I don't know what side conversations or conversations you're going to try to have with my other staff. So I need right. to be willing to come in and play ball with right. my team. And that's the way that I operate. Like, that is my thing. I really want to understand for a lot of my staff, I won't hire you before you hop on a phone call. With no, absolutely. Just to kind of understand. I mean, because we're working remotely, so it's not like we can see each other, but we'll definitely like get on the phone, have a conversation. And I need to feel and understand your enthusiasm and your ways of being as much as possible. So that we can make quality decision on whether or not you should be a part of this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good idea. I have my doubts as to how much that matters. Because I think that you have a good backup plan because you require people to do their samples, like to do Mm -hmm. work before they come on board. Many times that's difficult in other arenas because people Mm -hmm. have good interview game. They got good resumes. They they Mm -hmm. can speak well. But when they start doing the work or they start getting in, having to play the game, they start failing here, 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 and here. So during your interview process, you just got to work in all those culture pieces and then have tangible work requirements in order to just join right? Do this mm-hmm. actual little bit of work. See when they get it back to you. See whether that's early, whether it's on time, whether it's late, how high quality the work is, because you can't just hire people and hope that they're going to be, well, you're going to spend so much time. And there's this interesting emotional thing. That's why, you know, you said it earlier, hire slow, fire fast. The reason why people have issues with that is because humans are anchored and tie themselves emotionally to things that they invest in. And once mm-hmm. you hire somebody you emotionally feel like you've invested in them. If you bring them on with their HR, you sign the contract, you give them this, you give them that, you give them a workspace. Now you're like, I don't want to have to go do that again. So you start working with them. You spend more and more time trying to make it work. When at the end of the day, because you didn't vet them beforehand, you're just investing in a poor performing asset. Mm -hmm. You should have gotten rid of them before they got hired, but you need to get rid of them as soon as possible. But that psychological anchor you have with all that investment you put in, it stops Mm -hmm. you from doing it. And you got to teach yourself not to do that. Well, I think the other part, it's eliminating as much as possible before they even get there. That helps, right? You put a couple barriers up before they can even get there. And I think that that matters. And then also, you know, if you can break your processes down to training, 
simplest form as possible than just seeing whether or not they can follow directions. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you can get them out of there. I know I'm speaking for my business specifically, but I think that my methods are applicable to other businesses. If I were put in those situations, it would just need to be adjusted. Every business has a process. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. When it comes to like the clinical business where it's mm-hmm. mental health, mm-hmm. see the client, do the progress notes, fill out the monthly report at the end of the month. See mm-hmm. the client, do the progress note right after, fill out the monthly report at the end of the month. That's the process. Yeah. And if you don't know how to fill it out, here's your template, here's how it works, here's ask the questions, do the research. You should have some clinical background in general in order to be able to do it. When it comes mm-hmm. to AMCAR, AMCAR is very process oriented, right? Yes, as the person who is talking to the dealership needs to have automotive expertise, but at the end of the day, it's intake the client, figure out what their repair concerns are, schedule the appointment, talk to the dealership, build the client, follow up with the client. The processes are there for every business. And if you as the mm-hmm. person who's running business doesn't understand that structurally, you're mm-hmm. probably running a, <laughs> for lack of a better word, a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Culture. <laughs> so let's wrap this up, I guess, with maybe like a one or two sentence statement of what you think are the best practices in order to really establish a a great organizational structure and company culture? I would probably say step number one is do the work yourself so you know where the bottlenecks are. Mm -hmm. And then step number two is hire people you know who can do the work and just need to learn the process. They need to Mm -hmm. have the skills ahead of time. And then probably one more, step number three, learn how to respect people. Mm, And that comes from appreciating what they do as well as respecting their opinion, right? Don't look at it as a dictatorship. Do what I tell you. It's where do you think I can improve, right? Oh, it is top down, but you got to respect people. That way they'll respect you. Okay. Well, since you put it like that, you gave three. I'm going to give a quick three. Okay. Um, so I think the, one of the biggest things is the being organized matters mm-hmm. a lot. You need to be organized from the top down, mm-hmm. especially around timeliness. That's my number one. My number two, SOPs, man, standard operating procedures. Standard operating procedures, they do take a while because you need to think through the entire process yep. of what this person is going to do step by step, but it saves you so much time. Like I can literally onboard and offboard clients and staff within hours. Right. Right. Not even hours. I can onboard somebody like in a couple of minutes, less than 20 minutes, less than 10 minutes. They get what they're supposed to. And it just saves a lot of time. But I think the third thing is communication. Consistently being in communication and being human in your communication Uh with your staff members, I feel like makes a huge difference Uh as to how they are going to show up for you and essentially reciprocate the culture that comes through communication. In ways of being. So those are my three, man. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat. Okay, cool. Well, E, man, thank you so much for being a part of this episode of the Create Your Life series. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nah, most definitely. Create Your Life family, thank you for listening to this episode of the Create Your Life series. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share with everyone you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to info at CYL series. The Create Your Life series is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Kevin Y. Brown. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, 
Then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. And remember to use code CYLS. That's podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273.